Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. Hey, all right. Uh, my name is Cole Ellerbrock, and I am a member of our fellows program here at Grace. Uh, Jacob's not here because he's taking care of a little baby and changing diapers. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't know if any of y'all have seen uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show uh, before, but uh, he runs one of the late night shows. And But anyways, every year, uh, Jimmy Kimmel poses this challenge uh, to parents the day after Halloween. Uh, Some of y'all have probably seen this video, Um, but what he does is the day after Halloween, he uh, sends out a message to parents telling them to tell their children that they ate all of their Halloween candy, and we'll see what happens here. If you can press play on. It's time now for our beloved holiday tradition. Hey, Jimmy Kimmel, I told my kids I ate all their Halloween candy. Last night we ate all your candy. Why? Because it was good. Yeah, we ate it all while you were sleeping. No! Oh, man! I'm going to eat it all. I'm going to eat it all. Jimmy Kimmel said I should eat all your candy. Okay? Okay, I'm going to eat it all. Yeah, I'm going to eat it. Okay, this is for me. Well, let's see. Jimmy Kimmel said I should eat this, too. Okay. Okay, I think I'll eat All of it? All of it. Every single bite. Yeah. You must have a bellyache. <laughs> I got hungry last night. Eat an apple. <laughs> Daddy and I ate all of your candy. Those aren't real drawers, buddy. Get out. We ate all the candy. We'll get some more next time. I ate all your candy. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so why uh, do I start off this morning uh, with that video? Uh, because what we see in that video is that uh, these kids had a major drastic change happen in their external circumstances Uh, that caused a major internal shift. Take candy away, and they become monsters. (laughs) Um, And the truth is, guys, we've uh, we've all had uh, things happen to us. We've had uh, things change in our external circumstances that have caused us to have this internal 
um, shift. We've had, we've had things happen to us that have caused us to be ecstatic, and we've had things happen to us that have caused us to freak out. Um, girl says yes to going on a date with you, and you just feel like you're floating on clouds. And then next morning, your roommate wakes you up a bit too early. You just say, I'm not talking to you for the month. And <laughs> this morning, um, we are going to be looking at the concept of contentment. Um, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Y'all can turn there if you have a Bible. Um, Philippians is right after Ephesians, right before Colossians. Um, and what we're going to be doing, uh, or what we're going to see in this letter is Paul says that he has found the secret. The, he's figured out the mystery um, of being at peace, the mystery of being content in any and every circumstance, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether um, he, uh, things are going great for him or whether he's in the midst of a storm. He's saying, I have figured out the secret to being at peace, to being satisfied during all of it. And uh, this is a topic that we clearly need to talk about. Um, the American Psychological Association says that millennials, aka this group, uh, is the most stressed generation in America. Uh, they say, it's, and if you look at some other studies, it all varies, uh, or it all kind of centers around uh, this percentage of 45 to 55% of millennials saying they're stressed. Um, but the American Psychological Association says 52% of millennials in America say that only within the past month they have lain awake at night due to high levels of stress. Uh, they also report that millennials are by far the worst uh, at managing this stress, uh, and that millennials are much more likely than boomers uh, or matures to engage in unhealthy behaviors like eating, drinking alcohol, and smoking to manage their stress. And see, for, for a lot of us, um, college is, is this awesome time, but it's also this time that brings a lot of pressures with it. And some of it um, can maybe be a, a bit justified, but um, it's, it's this time where we're honestly, where we're facing a lot of pressures. Um, pressures to have this amazing GPA, pressures to uh, get that summer internship so that you can be set up for a great job, um, pressures uh, to lead an organization well or to be a good group project member, um, pressures to impress this guy or that girl. And Marty and Jacob have said, I got to get that ring by spring. And so we're facing all these different pressures, the list goes on and on. Um, in these situations, the reality is a lot of them are causing us um, to crumble, to, to freak out, to have panic attacks and, and be dying on the inside. And so um, we're, we're constantly facing this question of how can I get out of this? How can I move forward in the midst of the storm? How can I be okay when things aren't okay? How can I be at peace when my world is crumbling? This morning, Paul is going to tell us the exact answer to this. He's going to tell us exactly how we do this. How can it be all right when things are going great and when things are going poorly? Um, and so to answer this question, just so y'all kind of know where we're headed, we're going to look at what exactly is and is not contentment. How do we get it? How do we get this contentment? And then how do we move forward in it? How do we apply it? How do we walk in it? So the context of uh, Philippians 4, um, Paul is in prison. He has been imprisoned uh, for his faith in Christ. He's writing, he consistently says in this letter that he's writing it in chains. Uh, Paul, at this point, he, uh, he was a man who used to persecute the church. 
Um, he used to make it his job to kill Christians. But now Paul has fallen in love with Jesus. He's fallen in love with this God who is willing to die for him, uh, for the forgiveness of his sins, and rise for him so that he could have a relationship with him. He's fallen in love with this message so much that he was willing to go to prison for it and be in chains for it. And so, uh, anyways, the Philippians, the Philippian church, uh, the church at Philippi, sent Paul a gift. They sent him a financial gift, and, and the majority uh, of this letter is essentially a thank you note. Uh, it's a thank you note for, uh, to the Philippians uh, for sending in this gift. And Paul writes um, in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So what is contentment? Uh, the first thing Paul says is that it's learned. Uh, it's, he says, I have learned in whatever excuse me, situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know how to live in times of plenty and in times of of need. It's learned. He says this thing is a skill. It's practiced. It's lived out. It's not just some sort of um, magic gift that some people have and some people don't. Uh, contentment is not just for uh, the type B personalities and not for uh, the type A's. He's saying it's something that's learned. Um, the Holman Bible Dictionary defines uh, contentment as an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. An internal satisfaction that doesn't demand changes in external circumstances. Paul says there, he's saying contentment is something that's internal, it's inward. It's not, it's not on the outside. Um, it's not just looking like you have everything together um, externally. Um, he's saying it's something, it's this internal satisfaction that doesn't demand changes, that is unshaken when your external circumstances change. Um, now I wanna be clear, this doesn't uh, mean that you just simply ignore uh, your external circumstances. It doesn't mean uh, you ignore the hardship or the, or the storm going on around you. Um, we, you know, we all kinda of know that person, that we know things are going terribly in their life and you ask them how they're doing and they're just like, yeah, fine, doing, doing fine, you know, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, praise God, just doing great, so blessed. No, it's... <laughs> It's not that. He's saying it's not, this, it's, it's not this sort of fake happiness or this fake joy um, that we put on on the outside. Um, it's, it's not just being unwilling to come face to face with the hardships around you. It's not uh, being ignorant to the storm going on in your life, but it's honestly um, uh, assessing uh, what, uh, or the hardships going on in your life and saying, in the midst of that, I'm okay. Jeremiah Burroughs, um, who was an old Puritan minister, uh, wrote this great book on Christian contentment. And if you ever do any sort of research on Christian contentment, you will surely come across this book. Um, it's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And in it, uh, Jeremiah writes, Others, however, are able to restrain such disorders of the heart as Judas did when he betrayed Christ with a kiss. But even so, they boil inwardly and eat away like a canker. 
So David speaks of some whose words are sweeter than honey and butter and yet have war in their hearts. He's saying that this contentment is not just looking great on the outside while you're boiling inwardly, but it's honestly acknowledging your difficulties and saying in the midst of this, I'm okay. Um, the psalmists are all about this. Um, uh, Paul himself, in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Uh, Jesus himself, when his friend uh, Lazarus died, Jesus was weeping over that. He didn't just put on some sort of fake smile or fake happiness, but he was weeping over the death of his friend. And in the midst of that said, I'm all right. So looking back at that um, definition, it says this is an internal uh, satisfaction that doesn't demand changes in your external circumstances. Paul makes it clear um, to the Philippians who just sent him this gift. He says, thank you for sending this gift, but I want you to know that even if you didn't, even if I didn't uh, receive this financial, this, this loving gift while I'm in prison, he said, even if I didn't get it, I'm okay. It says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, even though you gave me this gift, or I'm, I'm glad you gave me this gift, but even if you didn't, my internal peace, my satisfaction is unchanged. Paul talks about bringing, uh, uh, moments of being brought high and brought low. And some of you, uh, you don't know how to be, as Paul says, brought high. Um, and when things are going really well um, and you get that summer internship or you get uh, to be a leader of that organization, uh, it makes you kind of insecure and, and, and overly prideful. I remember when I got uh, appointed to be a leader of this organization uh, when I was in college, I instantly thought, okay, I have made it and you are all my minions, and you will do whatever I want when I want it. <laughs> and, and some of you kind of know how that feels. Um, and, 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 you know, people sort of start to notice you, and you start feeling a little extra anxious, um, and you got to look good in front of your organization, in front of your peers. you got to look good on Facebook. you got to look good on Instagram. And, yeah, you don't know how to be brought high, like Paul's saying. Uh, we see this in celebrities uh, all the time. They are people who have all the riches um, in the world, yet face all these incredible insecurities. And we see that play out. Cynthia Heibel, uh, who's a writer in New York City, um, she consistently writes on uh, just kind of like modern culture and current affairs, and she writes this about celebrities. She says, I pity celebrities. No, I do. Celebrities were once perfectly pleasant human beings, uh, but now their wrath is awful. More than any of us, they wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing they were striving for, uh, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, uh, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness, it happened, and nothing changed. They were still them. The, disillusion the disillusionment turned them howling and insufferable. Paul himself had this. He um, had uh, the, the greatest resume you could have asked for. He writes earlier in Philippians about um, how he had more reason to place confidence in himself than any uh, other person. He was highly educated. He rose quickly in the ranks of his field. Um, he came from this incredible family lineage. He writes um, in chapter three, he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, 
I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people, uh, on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. As to the law, a Pharisee, uh, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul is saying, I was brought high. I was this religious all-star, the best of the best, highly educated. There was no one who had a better resume um, than I did. But you know what? This, this, this great list of things I have, it hasn't made me conceited or insecure or prideful. But I have this internal peace that doesn't change because of these nice external tiles or labels. Some of you don't know... Um, uh, how to be, as Paul is saying, brought low. And when things go south in your life, uh, you tend to crumble. A few years ago, uh, there was a minor league baseball coach uh, who disagreed with a call that was made during the game, and so he went and argued with the umpire. And uh, the umpire eventually ejected him uh, from the game because he was so upset at what he was saying. And uh, then the coach decided to do this. Um, can you all play it back there? All right. Uh, man, that's rough. Uh, tossed from a game, and uh, he kind of freaked out. Uh, tossed from a game, and uh, he mistook uh, a baseball field for a battleground. <laughs> and, uh, threw a rosin bag as a grenade. Anyways, um, uh, we, and we kind of, I mean, this is kind of a funny exaggeration, but um, we, uh, yeah, we kind of all know um, how this feels. We've had things happen to us that have caused us to uh, enrage or, or to freak out. Um, and the reality is, you know, some of it's kind of justified. A lot of you are going through some incredibly difficult things. You've had parents going through a divorce. You're grieving the loss of a family member um, or a friend. Um, you, you just found out you didn't get that summer internship. Um, you're going through a tough breakup, um, whatever it may be, and you, and you just feel this sort of overwhelming wave of sorrow um, and depression and sadness, and, and you're trying to dig yourself out of this pit, and, and you don't really know how to move forward in it. Paul is saying, I mean, even in the midst of this storm, even as I'm being beaten for my faith, even as I'm writing uh, this letter to y'all in chains, and I'm, and I'm stuck here uh, in prison, he says, my satisfaction's totally unchanged by these external circumstances. I don't know if y'all have heard um, the hymn titled, It Is Well Before. Um, I think we've sung it in here a couple times. But um, the song was written in 1873 by a man named Horatio Stafford. Um, and uh, Horatio, he had uh, a wife, uh, four daughters, and a son. In 1870, uh, his son passed away as a result of scarlet fever. And then three years later, in 1873, um, he was going with his family to, uh, he lived in the States, and they were going to go vacation in Europe, and so they had to take a ship to go over there. Um, his wife and four daughters uh, went ahead a, a little bit before him, and Horatio was going to meet them there a couple days later. Um, and while the ship um, was on its way over to Europe, the, the ship holding his wife and four daughters, um, it crashed into another and sunk and killed his four daughters. His wife lived. So a couple days later, Horatio um, is, uh, takes a ship over to Europe 
to be um, with his grieving wife. And while he was on that ship, um, on his way over to Europe, after he just lost all of his children, he writes these words in the hymn it as well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Saying my world has been wrecked. Everything has been taken from me. I'm filled with sorrow, but I'm still at peace. My peace is not determined by these external circumstances. So, how do we get this? Um, How do we get this this contentment, this peace? Paul says, I've figured out the secret. And how do we get it? He writes on in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now remember, Paul, um, he's writing this letter in prison. He's, writing, he's in chains. He's being beaten for his faith. And he says, hey, I'm okay. I'm at peace because my strength, my sufficiency does not come from myself. My strength comes from God. It comes from him who strengthens me. It comes from another. It comes from Christ himself. Um, now I'll be honest, there's a lot of misconceptions uh, about this verse. It's probably something that a lot of you guys have heard before. You've probably seen it on coffee mugs or tattoos or UFC shirts or gym tanks. Um, and a lot of people uh, tend to use this verse as a way to um, say they can kind of do whatever they want and, and do the impossible. Um, like they can jump off a 10-story building or run across the country or hit a home run or beat up a guy because God wants him to. Um, but I think that's a little bit misguided. That's not exactly what Paul's getting at here. Um, while Paul's in prison and things aren't going the way, or things aren't going as planned, things aren't going okay, he's saying, I'm all right because my strength does not come from me, but I depend on another, God himself. Gerald Hawthorne, um, who was a longtime uh, seminary professor and, and theologian, um, writes this. He says, The secret of Paul's independence was his dependence upon another. His self-sufficiency in reality came from being in vital union with the one who is all sufficient. Christian contentment is based upon being radically dependent on the God who is all sufficient. It's about being so incredibly dependent on the God who knows you, who cares for you, loves you so much who is willing to die for you and upholds you. I, uh, I know I've told this, um, this story in here before, but um, last summer, I went on one of our summer missions uh, that was in Greece. And while I was over there, um, we were about a week into the trip, uh, the, our kind of head leader of it all uh, called me over to his house and, and he sat me down on his couch and he said, uh, hey, Cole, we um, just got news from back in the States um, that your father has passed away. Uh, completely out of the blue, heart attack, gone. Suddenly just gone. Um, and he honestly was the guy that I was probably most closest with in this world. He was my, my best bud, um, and he's gone like that. And so uh, what I did was I flew. Uh, I had to fly from the town we were in to Athens, 
from Athens to Germany, and then from Germany to Dallas, and then Dallas to Houston. Uh, absolute worst, longest day of my life. And, and uh, as I was flying from Germany, or I, I made it to Dallas, and then once I got to Dallas, uh, it started raining, and my flight got delayed and delayed and delayed. And I sat in the Dallas airport uh, for about nine hours. And I'm at this moment where I am crumbling. I am at the lowest of the low. Uh, and in that moment, um, after a long, many tears and, and whatever, I, uh, I decided, hey, I'm going to go over to this corner, kind of like where no one is, and I'm just going to pray. And I started um, just saying to the Lord, like, uh, God, I'm upset. This sucks. I really hate this. Um, why did dad have to go? Um, but I know I'm at peace. I know I'm okay because you are my strength. My sufficiency doesn't come from myself, but it comes from you. Paul says that for the Christian, um, for the follower of Christ, we can be all right when everything's not all right. Because um, we don't depend on ourselves, but we depend on a God who loves us and cares for us and provides for us. And so my question for you guys is where, um, where do you turn when things go south in your life? When things don't go the way you want them to, um, what do you turn to? Uh, do you go to lashing out at other people? Um, do you go to simply just trying to fill your mind with noise and, and trying to ignore it? Um, do you go to certain things to try and numb this pain away? Um, do you go to just binge watching Netflix all day? What do you turn to when things go south? Um, do you ever think to turn to him who is able and sufficient um, to give you peace in any circumstance? So uh, how do we, or my, my final point is how do we apply this? How do we move forward knowing that we can be, um, because we are connected to the Father, we can be um, at peace uh, at all times because he is our sufficiency? How do we uh, move forward in that? Well, what I'll say is that the Christian who can be the most content person in the world is also the most dissatisfied person in the world. The most content, at peace person in the world is also the most dissatisfied person in this world. So you, what, do, what, uh, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that for the Christian, um, for the follower of Christ, um, we can look out into a world that is drowning in sin. We can look out into a world that is trying to fill themselves, that is trying to find satisfaction in a whole slew of things that aren't going to satisfy them. And we can press into that and share with them the message of eternal life-giving peace in a relationship with the Father. Because we are content in Christ, that shouldn't cause us as Christians to sort of retreat um, and, and turn away from the world and just sort of say like, oh, it's all good, everything's gonna be fine. No, because we are content in Christ, that should cause us to move. It should cause us to press in um, when you see people um, that are trying to uh, fill their lives with things that aren't going to satisfy them, when you see people who are drowning in anxiety and sadness um, and, and depression, we have the opportunity to share with this, to share with the world the message of peace that Christ 
provides. Because our sufficiency is not found in ourselves, but in the God who loves us, that should cause us to move towards the hurting, towards the needy, towards the poor, the marginalized, towards the widow and the orphan, towards uh, that roommate that drives you crazy, towards that group project member that never does his work, should cause us to move into them and speak um, the message of peace and contentment in a loving relationship with Christ. You know, kind of, I, I can't think of a better situation um, to press into the people around us than uh, the, the, the situation that our country is in right now. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a time when a lot of people um, are feeling uh, hopeless and that our, our country is in turmoil and uh, that, um, yeah, that things, aren't, things are going terribly. Um, and we, as believers, as people who are content in Christ, have the opportunity to step into that and say, hey, I know things aren't going well right now. I know it seems like our, like our nation's in turmoil and there's a lot of hate going on. But you know what? There's a way to have hope, to have peace, to have um, satisfaction and contentment, even in the midst of all this craziness. And that's in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. This summer... Um, we have the opportunity uh, to go uh, to uh, almost every part of the globe. We have these things called summer missions. Um, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, way to go. And uh, I, I cannot think of a better way to live out your contentment in Christ than to go to the nations, than to go to people who uh, have never heard this message, to go to people who maybe never will hear this message of peace and satisfaction in a relationship with Christ. I want to challenge y'all to go. Um, go to these people that don't know this message. Um, so as we conclude, um, I just want to ask, how can we be okay when things aren't okay? When everything is taken from me, how can I be all right? How can I be at peace? I can because I know that I am connected to the Father. I've been adopted into his family. Ephesians 1 says that in love, God has adopted us into his family. Um, and now because of that, we are forever connected to him. And he is our sufficiency. He wants to be our strength. Our sufficiency doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from the God who was willing to die for me and rescue me because God saw me um, as someone drowning in sin, as someone drowning and uh, someone trying to find peace and satisfaction and all sorts of things in this world. And he says, I want to go rescue that guy and I'm going to do it by dying on a cross for the forgiveness of sins and then rising so that he can be adopted into my family and so that he can be at peace at all times. What is Christian contentment? It's this internal satisfaction that doesn't demand changes in external circumstances because my strength does not come from me, but from the God who I am loved by and upheld by, that provides for me and is sufficient for all of my needs. Father, we um, thank you um, that when we um, trust in you for the forgiveness of our sins, you adopt us into your family and we are now connected to you. We are um, in your family. Father, we thank you that um, you are sufficient for all of our needs.
that you are our strength, and that at all times, whether good or bad, whether in times of pride and insecurity or whether um, in times of serious uh, need and trouble and when we're in the midst of the storm, we thank you uh, that you offer peace at all times. I want to encourage you all um, to take a couple minutes and, and talk to God and say, God, I, I have this anxiety. I have this I'm feeling, this sort of depression. I'm feeling this sort of wave of sadness. Um, God, I've, I've, I've been pretty prideful lately, or I've been uh, feeling really insecure because I feel like i got to please all these people. I want to challenge you all to ask him peace that surpasses all understanding, for um, this contentment that comes in all circumstances, knowing that he is sufficient for all of our needs.